This is GSAP Conversations from the Graduate School of Architecture, Planning and Preservation at Columbia University in New York City. I'm Dina Malandraus. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Michelle Young, founder of Untapped Cities and an alumna of the GSAP Incubator. In this bonus episode of GSAP Conversations, I'm speaking with members of the GSAP Incubator, which is located on the Bowery in Manhattan's Lower East Side and is part of the New Museum's New Inc. The Incubator is described as a launchpad for new ideas and projects about architecture, culture, and the city, and is open to recent graduates of Columbia University's Graduate School of Architecture, Planning, and Preservation. This fall, the Incubator welcomes its fourth generation of members. Today, I'm speaking with four of the outgoing members about their work and experience of being here. Joining me are Mustafa Faruqi, Niall Greenberg, Marcelo Lopez-Dinardi, and Jian Yang. So I think from all of your experiences and my own personal experience here at the Incubator, I think this place is certainly a unique entity in academia, a space for graduates to explore ideas wherever they are in their career development, whether recent graduates or longtime practitioners. So as your year comes to a close, what are the biggest takeaways you found through working in such a space as this? Yeah, I guess as the year comes to a close, an important thing that I've thought about over the years, just the, and it sounds very like silly and puerile and cliched, but it's just the space. Mm-hmm. I think being able to have access to a space that's available 24-7, that's air-conditioned, that has reasonably clean bathrooms, that has a kitchen, that has all of these things, is like, that's like in New York, that's like a big deal. And I think for a lot of us, like working out of the apartment because it's too small or because there's like a screaming baby or screaming spouse or something, like we can't do it. And so it's a luxury item to really to really have that. I think I'm, I'm very grateful. I think gratitude is one thing that I feel after that because maybe I didn't accomplish the projects that I set out to accomplish, but maybe I also started new things or was able to incubate new things simply because of this space. So I think for me, that the value of that space definitely is something that's been driven home this year. Adding to that, I think um, Mustafa touched upon the physical space aspect of it, but I think it also impacts our mental space as well. So I'm coming from the background of having practiced architecture over a decade after coming out of school and been in an environment of you know company structure, typical office setting, and also you know sort of putting myself in my living room and working out of um, co-working space. I've done all of it. And what's different about this is that there is enough of what I would call productive distraction, meaning that you're able to engage with somebody else. Like Mustafa and I would like talk about random things and sometimes things are related to what you're working on and what I'm working on. And that begins to inform the next steps or maybe it might veer you off into a different direction that might turn out to be super interesting. And then what you gain out of that whole process is that you also reflect on what just had happened or what has happened this past year to really mentally engage and figure out giving yourself a mental space, right? To figure out where am I heading? What have I done? And what are the things that I might do differently or do it the same way? My experience in the incubator is possibly mixed, I think. On the one hand, it extends the studio environment, which we all were educated in, which actually makes me extremely skeptical about its usefulness because I think all the downfalls and problems of the studio are also present here. 
On the other hand, it leaves you um, connected to the bigger project of architecture, of pedagogy, of what we're all trying to accomplish together. And I really appreciate the two sides of this thing, though I sometimes feel it, 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 the extension of academia into the city, like we're doing, has its problems and keeps certain types of practice limited to academia, let's say. How do you feel it extends? Like, what's one example of how it extends the studio environment? Do you feel like any co-working space extends the studio environment? I just described it as, as a kind of a space to work in, which was a little bit cheaper than the space that I came from, which was a similar office. So how do you feel like this would be is extending the studio environment for you? Well, I think even the application process, which is based on a sort of creative academic idea, the general reward system in this group of people emphasizes teaching positions, winning prizes, sort of these prestigious academic routes, which are really great and advance your practice in very specific ways, but also leaves out a big other side that we don't experience so much, like in school and maybe in practice, it becomes very clear. But here it's a sort of incubator of an academic project. It's much easier to incubate here an academic project than it is to incubate a professional project. It's very interesting hearing you guys speak about this year because it seems that year to year the environment is very different. Uh, and even, I guess, within the same year, it seems like half the table it has one experience and perhaps a different experience on the other. It seems that even though the intention of the incubator is to be an extension of the studio, and some people experience it in that way, it seems that my experience last year was um, it was very like almost business oriented versus academic oriented. So it's it's nice for me to see an evolution or a change or shift depending on what groups are brought together. And Marcelo, I know you had something to add. Yeah, I think it, in, in my case, yeah, I was part of the second group as well, the uh, incubator women, but while we were doing the Venice Biennale project with Mitch McEwen. And, mm -hmm. and I think it was a different setting then than now for me. Uh, I think it's an interesting experience because the previous one was a little bit more maybe studio work uh, to an mm -hmm. extent. Um, but I was also always in and out because of teaching. And, and this, uh, for me, I think one of the takeaways for me is precisely the, the, precisely the idea of space that this is, for me, a path. And this is, uh, is the neighborhood. And it's the ability of, of going uptown and stopping here uh, image in Brooklyn and Uptown. And I think it's almost like a way of, of extending GSAP but not extending the studio. Um, I didn't do studio at GSAP, so for me, it's, it's not necessarily an extension. It's mostly, it's almost like a void space. It's, it's just mm -hmm. an open space where you can actually sort of work with it in the way that it, that it helps uh, to you or, or, or sort of benefits to you. And for me, it has been precisely a path, a path for uh, talking to people, for knowing people, mm -hmm. uh, for, for collaborations. Uh, in the first, sort of after the first, uh, time that I was here two years ago, uh, I collaborated with Idea City uh, in two of their programs in Athens and Arles. So, so it really sort of created the or, or uh, catalyst for uh, for activities and for events and collaborations that were beyond uh, the prey that I was bringing here. That's great. And my next question was really about collaborations, whether any have come across from this year itself. So you mentioned that a few years ago with Idea City. Niles, you mentioned that you will be rejoining the incubator next year with two members. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, next year, there's basically a, a small group of people from the incubator this year, but also an outside group who has come together to form a sort of new collective project. And that will be, I think, a different experience of the incubator 
this has been so far a, a personal project with mm -hmm. uh, one mission that I gave myself a year to accomplish. And moving into next year, there's a bigger, broader, more expanded network being developed, which in fact is probably more appropriate for the incubator setting to begin with and seems like a project that would have naturally come out of the incubator. So in that way, it's been successful. Great. Do you feel that the connections you make here are impromptu connections that happen as a result of just the proximity, or are they also directed and guided by people who lead the incubator space? I think it's a little bit of both. Like, I know that Agustin isn't here right now, but I know of multiple examples where he's brought people in to talk to us, to review our work, to talk about, you know, opportunities. And he actually has, has flagged me and been like, you know, you really should meet this particular person and has actually been like, you know, when, when are you free? Because I want to arrange this meeting around you. So that that is super directed. And that's, I think, again, that's related to proximity because he sees my mug every day. So he's like, oh, it's like it's more on the brain. So I think in that sense, there has been some directed ones. And then there's also been probably serendipitous ones, which, I, you know, there's loads of examples of that, too. And I think the way it's structured and the mentorship or the outside consultants and alums that are brought in to give us feedback can also lead to a, a very fruitful conversation and connections. Or in my case, I'm collaborating with another GCEP alum who is specialized in data visualization analysis because I think it was actually you, Michelle, you came and you saw my project and sent me an email, like, check this out, and then got me connected to somebody else. Then that person connected me to the other person. Then we sort of had a conversation and tried to pursue the project together because the, the combination of the different strengths and different viewpoints can actually better the project in some way. So I think in, it, there is definitely the, the level of serendipitous conversations and um, collaborations that happen, but I think the level of structure that I think I think the incubator was really trying to put together this year is also very helpful in that sense. I'm glad to hear that. My connections <laughs> led to some other later connection. I think that's one of the great things about Columbia is that once you're in the family, uh, you pretty much never leave, except I hear that, Marcelo, you are leaving. <laughs> Uh, to go to Texas A&M, right? Yes. To be a tenure track professor there. Yes. So I uh, just accepted the position to, for a tenure track. Uh, Congratulations. architectural design. So I'm leaving in a few weeks. And I wanted to ask you, since your background, you're not mid-career, but you were definitely have graduated long before some of the other members here and have a long list of accomplishments. So what inspired you to join the incubator again this time? So this time I came to develop a mapping and visualization project related to Puerto Rico fiscal debt. And I think it uh, sort of served me the incubator in a way that it actually sort of expanded what I was doing in the first time I was here. Because the, when I was here for the first time, I was working for the project in Detroit. And that was part of uh, our interest in looking at cities and the political economy of cities. And the reason that I collaborated with Idea City was precisely because of going to Greece and Athens and trying to understand the same questions about how finance has changed the city and what are the efforts that have been uh, undertaken there. And now I'm coming back with a project that is precisely trying to locate these dynamics of finance or state finance and, and state politics uh, on the territory. So in my case, it was a, for me, it was an extension, a little bit of, of using the space to had another idea uh, that I was been just starting to work on, and I needed the space to do that. I think it was great to come back to 
to do it. I've had the chance to talk with other people precisely in this either arrange or, or just more uh, random encounters uh, through Agustin and so on. So in my case, it was just coming back to almost like a kind of triangle end for, uh, for the initial project of Detroit. So it's Detroit, Greece, and, and San Juan mm-hmm. uh, as three examples of how this sort of problematics have affected cities. Gian, I know you, um, your firm, Habitat's Workshop, you execute mostly design-based interventions, but the incubator seems to have given you a space to explore ideas that go beyond your practice. Can you tell us a little bit about the Agency for Impossible Spaces that you're working on? I've been operating um, the practice for about two and a half years, and at the beginning of the, you know, trying to figure out what I'm exactly doing, I was doing a lot of different things. Like for part of my practice, it was about the architectural practice and installation work, and the other part was research work, and I never really got to put everything together. So I, I took the time being at the incubator to really figure out, rather than having these separate moments floating around, is there a way to really um, think about a cohesive narrative about what I'm trying to do? So the Agency for Impossible Spaces actually grew out of a previous project, research fellowship that I did, that led to three prototype interventions of undevelopable lots in New York that are defined as such in in their zoning and land use. And this time around, I'm trying to expand that beyond the three prototypes to see at, at a city scale in terms of looking at the data and not just brushing it off as a data and data analysis, but really also to qualify data. So if someone is saying, that this is undeveloped, what is the actual physical condition of it, and begin to document it, and then see if there's any kind of a gap that happens between the two modes of operation. And where do you see this project going after you move out in a week, is it? (laughs) Um, Yeah, in a few weeks. Um, It's still a work in progress, still collaborating with the connection through the incubator, and we are applying for different grants and, and other sources of support so that we can continue to work on the project. Mustafa, so I wanted to challenge you to help us understand some of the things that you are working on. So you write that the Lab Lab uh, produces work that positions architecture as the conveyor of imagination, the garden of proposition, and the battleground of proof. So maybe for some non-architects that might be listening or future potential architects in training, can you explain how that concretely, how that manifests in your projects? The truth is that I actually, I'm going to start with truth because I was reading something by uh, June Jordan, who's a poet, activist, and also environmental designer who worked a little bit with Buckminster Fuller on one of his projects in Harlem, and a lot of people don't know that. But um, she talks about poetry and its relationship to politics. And she says that poetry is political because it's about expressing the truth, right? And we want our politicians to be able to express the truth to us in sort of to the best of their ability or to the extent that they can. And I want to relate this to a primary election that happened recently, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who recently won a primary election in Queens in the Bronx, and she defeated a, a very strong incumbent. And before her primary, she was she was very outspoken about a lot of things, in particular the Israeli occupation of the West Bank, and also the uh, the total incarceration of Palestinians in Gaza in an open air prison. 
And then after the primary, we saw her sort of being questioned about this, and she started giving answers that were to the tune of like, oh, I wasn't completely educated about that, or I wasn't completely informed. I have a lot of learning to do about this situation. And those of us who support her, we say, well, you know, like she's a politician, so she has to say that. We know what she really thinks, but like she maybe, maybe she has to say these things, but our estimation of her is a little bit chipped away. Right? And so there is that, that aspect of getting back to June Jordan about poetics and about truth. We want our politicians to be truthful. And I think that architecture can also be poetic in that sense if we're able to tell the truth and we're able to talk about how we really feel and, to, and able to do the things that we really, really feel are the true things. And that's what I think I try and do in my practice. Or at least I try and question the projects mm -hmm. in my practice to ask them, ask those projects, are these things that are true? Is this how I really, really feel? And I think that that's something also, we see so many architects who are like, well, you know, like I didn't want to have to take that Jared Kushner development project, but somebody else was going to, so I had to, I had to do it. Or I didn't want to have to do this, this or that thing, you know? I didn't want to have to tear down that amazing facade, but like nobody wanted me to tear down, but like I had to do it. And we feel like people aren't being true to their ideals. And so one thing that I'm trying to do in my practice right now is to just be true to myself or, or you know, have my projects be true to how I feel. And I think that that's when I talk about the garden of proposition, that's a gar it's testing things, right? It's proposing things and trying to respond to them in a way that I feel is honest. And that, I think, is the long answer to your question about sort of what my okay. practice is trying to do. And so when you say um, that you are trying to be true to your own practice and to architecture. Does that have um, any value? Are you saying, or no, no, I'm uh, for sure it has value. But then how do you balance that out with, for example, the, the financial needs of your practice? How do you make those decisions and choose or not choose projects? Well, okay, so the implication there is that to, to be able to make money, you have to be dishonest. Is that built into your question? I, I'm not No, but I'm building that, that off of your statement that architects have to take, for example, the Jared Kushner project, right. et cetera. I'm assuming that they do it because someone was going to get paid anyway, might as well be them. That's what you're saying, right? Right. Okay, so how to make my, my practice financially viable is something that I'm working on and it's a mm -hmm. constant struggle and I do participate in those Jared Kushner projects. Right? I'm, I do participate in those and I have participated in them here in this office. And we all are doing all sorts of unsavory things I think that maybe we're not talking about on our bios. And, and so yeah, I, I, I am doing that and that's also, you know, hopefully there'll come a time when I won't mm -hmm. have to do those types of things. But I mean, yeah, and also there are, I mean, I guess it was your question more about like, how do I keep my, my practice afloat by like only sort of... No, I'm just wondering how the incubator space has helped you like um, come up with the principles that you may want to one day adhere to in your practice, because it sounds like that's what you're trying to explore here. I don't think the incubator space has helped me do that at all. I think okay. the incubator space has provided a, like an affordable workspace for me to mm -hmm. do all sorts of different things. Okay. But, uh, and to be honest, a lot of the projects that I've been working on, I've had to maybe give up on on the past year because I have been chasing after other teaching things that are completely unrelated to architecture or chasing after little freelance things that are not really related mm -hmm. to any of my projects. And the incubator actually has given me space to do those right. things that are outside of my practice. I mean, I think that's an interesting thing to delve into. I, I feel like everyone here is involved in many different projects, teaching, probably teaching at several universities. I wanted to ask about just the general challenges facing architects and designers today and how, how you've experienced that and maybe how the incubator has helped you or helped you explore some of these things. It is probably difficult to be an architect today. 
I also think that our institutions have, in a lot of ways, weakened our agency with their emphasis in non-architectural projects, in an overemphasis in representation, and and sort of lack of clarity in what um, the definitions of architecture should and can be. I think it's really hard to work within the system. I'm not very hopeful about that either, but at the same time, I think it's our duty to attempt to work directly in these means, in the methods that we are supposed to be doing, which we're often not trained in, don't talk about, receive no credit on a, on a final review or a discussion. And I think it's, in some ways, interesting to have to work on both sides. The fact that a lot of our practices depend on both teaching or, or side jobs and academic projects is an example of the weakening of the profession that somehow being smart is exclusive from doing good architecture. That somehow you have to operate in different mediums to accomplish what we're supposed to be doing in a single medium. And it's very strange to me that this is the situation we're in. And I, personally, I'm trying to work really hard to find one way of making architecture that fits both descriptions, fits both ways of thinking, which it does seem like there's two ways of thinking. The negative model, which you just described, of working for a, a Kushner, and the positive model, maybe, which is about freedom of expression in your own architecture, which both of these things are very interesting to me, but I think we need to find a way to, to do them at the same time. Yeah, I would just add a little bit of my thoughts about the, the yeah, again, the idea of location and space. I, I think for me, the incubator is, almost, is also an almost having an address in here. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's, it's, on the one side, it's very helpful to have an address and a studio in the Barry. And so I think it's, a, it, it's almost another complement to the multiple uh, teaching, which for me, it's also part of, of the career. It's not just, so, so for me, both things are, are the sort of full-time and even though I'm not sitting here full time, it's the opportunity to actually sort of have another stop and spot in the city mm-hmm. where, where I sort of keep within uh, what I'm doing uptown or in Brooklyn or in RISD yeah. or something. So, so I think it has to do for me of the opportunity of, of sort of keep connecting some dots. And, and, and I think that I've seen very uh, valuable for me uh, because I've connected with uh, multiple people that I will not encounter in one in one space. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being a university, a single place, or a single university, or a single studio, or a single location in the city. So for me, it's been great to have the, that sort of spacing here to you know also just to listen and learn about uh, other people working here, uh, the incubator and the ink as well. For me, I think the the multiplicity and plurality is actually beneficial for me because. I agree with the idea that that we are architects and we're not sociologists, we're not any of these things, so we should really try to solve the problem with what we know and the tools that we're really good at. I, I completely agree with that, but I think that's where the door for the collaboration comes in, that as long as we acknowledge that we alone cannot solve the problems that we want to solve, but I think the intent of wanting to participate in the conversation is a very important positive direction. And 
and in, in some ways, my practice is kind of trying to do both. I'm in some in, at, at times I feel like maybe I'm spread too thin, trying to do too many things because I'm trying to do the architecture practice as you know it as a traditional method and run run it as a business. But I'm also teaching and engaging with the academia and looking at this, these research ideas. But I don't think it's not necessarily one or the other. I think they merge together at some point that even if you're working on, let's say, Jared Kushner project, um, <laughs> um, even if you're working on a client-based, fee-based project, and it may not be the most glamorous thing that you might work on, but there is a lesson to be learned from that practice, whether it's a business understanding or whether it's a means and method understanding or maybe you realize, oh, this was really bad. I need to do it differently next time. Mm -hmm. And I think the whole profession of architecture is basically built upon that, that it's not just one time and you just grab it and you become the superstar, but it's many, many iterations, whether it's on the same project or through multiple projects spanning five, mm -hmm. 10 years of time that you just continue to learn and grow and, and try to bring in a little bit more of, of your idea and your input and maybe the balance, you know, the balance of what you're putting begins to be more in the, in the process rather than just the money and, and the client input over time. I mean, I think the debate we're having here is very indicative of the kind of conversations that the incubator hopes to facilitate about the nature of what is architecture, what is the practice. I think I'm in more agreement with you from my own personal practice that's, I think, tied together by the idea of city and then everything else kind of builds around it. And I'm probably one of the few people that teach because I just think it's interesting to be connected to academia. It does spread myself thin, but I think it's interesting in that sense. But um, I think that everyone here who's members like, really represents like the wide range of what architecture and the study of cities can be. You had something. Add something yeah. to that, yeah. And I, I just, you know, and for the record, in terms of like the the people who are here, like for example, Superform is sitting right there. They're not academic. They're not teaching. They're, and they're like men and women after my heart, day in, day out. And I only know this because I spent a couple all nighters here, <laughs> and I notice that they show up at nine thirty, and then up until five five thirty, they're, they're gone. And they even have their Superform black T-shirts. Have you seen them? Mm -hmm. It's pretty cool. They're just doing their thing, and they are. They, they have meetings in here. They had a third anniversary party. They're doing all sorts of stuff that's like you know they're not like in and out of Avery library I would be shocked if I saw Dino sitting there looking at a, a book by Ledoux I mean, like maybe, or maybe that's his secret life you know and also uh, Julia Malloy she's also doing projects converting houses in in Bushwick you know Josh yeah. Traper is as well Mark Barrick had two interns here working on high-end residential and corporate and then actually moved to moved to a different office just recently so and maybe this is to your point about how things have kind of changed but I think there's all sorts of little things that are going on here and then people who are like June who are wearing two different hats or wearing three different hats you know one day she's prepping for a class another day she's working on an art installation another day she's dealing with some really annoying client who like wants to move their bathroom over 10 feet or something like that so it's like people are wearing different hats and there are people who are wearing similar hats who are kind of doing the same thing so I guess it's like a mixed bag of, of things that are happening here just to sort of and one thing actually that worries me is that I've seen a lot of people people who just graduated who come through here who are interested in incubator and I think that they're looking at it in the way that you initially described of like oh cool there's like desks and computers and like this will be kind of like studio who wants to graduate or you only realize you don't want to graduate like the day after Columbia kicks you out and all your IDs are invalid and that I think is worrying 
that not having an, showing up an incubator without an agenda, even if you don't pursue that agenda at all and go to some other totally di you know, different direction, showing up being like, oh, this is gonna like be like fourth year GSAP, that's mm -hmm. worrying and I agree with now, that extension I don't think is necessarily that helpful. And I think I do see that with people who've come through here on the open house nights and things like that, thinking, oh, I'll just like kinda, and I'll have little reviews and I'll be told that I have the best project and I'll have a feather in my cap, that is worrying, mm. I think. So words to the wise, make sure you have a project when you apply or to the Or don't incubator. think that you'll show up here and like that it'll, it's a workspace. Mm -hmm. And maybe uh, Augustine might not like if I describe it like that. I think everybody has a different idea of what it is. But I think that for me, this is a workspace. It's not going to make me famous and it's not going to help me win Miss New York or Miss America or any pageant, you know. It's a workspace and so you can't just show up hoping that it'll all happen mm -hmm. and that you'll turn into a butterfly. I was going to take some issue with the idea that there is these different hats that we're wearing, right? It's true, I mean, but there isn't a sort of understanding and recognition of the value of doing high-end residential, which I'm not sure is something of, uh, that architects should be doing necessarily, but there is a lack of academics in high-end residential, and there's a lack of high-end residential in academics, I think. And that, that it was just a, the way you were describing these one, two, three, four hats. But I don't think that there's a bifurcation between academic and residential work. I think that this whole but, distinction between academic and professional in itself is, is problematic. That's what I'm saying. But the way you're sort of describing someone moving a bathroom as being like the worst thing an architect could do. That's not what I meant to mean. I mean that, that there's people here doing, okay, forget hats. There's people here who are multitasking. Is that okay with you? Yes. Okay. Yeah, there's people who are multitasking, and then I think there's people like Superform who are single-tasking, or Mark Barak who are single-tasking, and then there's people who are doing multiple things. I guess the, you're right, hat is misleading. But, and, I, and that also maybe, and I definitely, even if there are different hats, I don't mean to like, you know, cast dispersions on one hat or, you know, give another one a reward. That's sort of what you're doing in some ways. How? Well, you just, it's just that there's this, um, I think almost that you, surprise in your voice when you talk about someone doing real architecture here. I just described half of this incubator yes. as doing real architecture, and yes. I look at them day. So why would you think I think that's surprising? I actually think that the doing real, whatever you call as real architecture, pragmatic work, whatever you want to do, whatever that hat or task is, I see it every day, and I actually think that that is the norm. And I'm going to go one step further than you, Niall. I'm going to see you and raise you. I think that this whole application is problematic that you described at the beginning. It's super problematic because a lot of times you have to invent some project that might not, I think that if Incubator was presented as a WeWork for recent graduates, I think that like that would be okay. And I do think, I absolutely agree with you now. I think that that application is problematic. I don't know if it changed this year or not, I didn't apply. Well, I think, you know, the conversation that we're having right now is actually, you know, reflection of the diverse group and diverse views that's happening in the incubator, right? So we have people who are focused on more academic stuff versus more practice-based stuff and something in between. And I think that's actually a good thing because, you know, I don't think it's never just one thing or the other, at least in my practice. So there might be days or months that I'm more closer to one spectrum and then there might be other times that I'm closer to the other spectrum. But to know that there is a spectrum, that you don't have to be one thing, 
right? That there is an opportunity to expand your practice to be something more than what you know it is. I think that is the opportunity that's being afforded here just because of the types of conversation that we're mm. having, which also happens on serendipitous level, like daily interactions and conversations too. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing to keep in mind is also that GSAP is a conglomeration of so many different parts of architecture and design. I think we often think about GSAP as like an architecture school, but there's urban planning, there's preservation, there's CCCP, which is very conceptual. So I guess that leads to my next question about what advice you might give to either students applying to go into a master's program or having just graduated. Can, can I just say yeah. briefly something about the real architecture before we... I, I, <laughs> sure. In, I just think that is the incubator, I think what it wants is people to have projects. And I think that is the same problem with architecture in and out the university campus or not, uh, is the idea that there might be a lack of projects in architecture. And I think the project might have the form of building that I hope is not what someone is defending here as the real architecture. Um, and I think there is, I mean, there's nothing more architectural than, than Mustafa's drawing. So I think in that sense, I think what happens beyond the application process is that we need to make sure that architecture has a project. And I think in that sense, that possibility is what brings the sort of uh, multifaceted practice. Um, and I think it's if the real architecture is a project that has been tested here, I mean, I think that's an interesting uh, approach or something that I would be happy to see, but not defend it as there is something as real architecture that, mm-hmm. that we should or should not be. I mean, I've done buildings and, and, and all of that. And so, and, and then work moving bathrooms and all of those things. But, and I have enjoyed pretty much. And I, I, and I don't think that work is less conceptual or critical than the one that I'm doing now. And so, so for me, I think it's about what is the project that you can uh, pursue with the skills, knowledge, and capacities that you have mm-hmm. as, because you were trained as an architect. So if I have to say something to an, a, a newcomer or is just try to have a project that is for you, but also maybe for architecture, just to think about how that reverts back to, uh, to the field, either because you're thinking about dismantling the field or, or enhancing the film in some form. In some ways, I'm telling this to my younger self, right? When I was getting out of school, and you know, I wish I'd known this back then, is that your practice will change, right? Your career will change. There might be five years when you're working on, you know, one type mm-hmm. of things, and then maybe you move on to the next one. And I would say, just be open-minded, because. I don't think it's really useful to qualify certain type of architecture to be better than some of the other type of architecture because at the end of the day, we're all trying to solve the same type of problem, whether it's a small scale, large scale, or different types of conversation. And don't think that what you learn from this particular job or practice is not going to be helpful later on because you never may not be helpful right away but it may be helpful 10, 15 years later. It just might mm-hmm. suddenly pop up. So I think just be open to that and, and you know, don't beat yourself down. So I, I also had this like an idea of like, I really want to do a project that is the most boring and untalked about projects, like the taboos of architecture that no one wants to talk about, right? How awesome would that be to dissect, you know, the mediocre condos 
or the things that we don't really typically talk about. Because rather than just saying, oh, that's bad architecture, if you actually spend time to really dissect it and see if there's something good that might come out of it, or maybe there's something really, really bad that you might want to reinvent. So even the, the, what you might think as failures actually might be a lesson down the road. Did anyone take advantage of the things that New Inc. was doing versus the GSAP Incubator, or what was the connection between that this year? My experience with GSAP Incubator and New Inc. has been really beneficial, not just with the other people in New Inc., but also people um, at the New Museum. I'm currently working with and have grown to be good friends with people in the New Inc., and also working collaboratively with, for instance, Laura Coombs, who's the uh, senior graphic designer at the New Museum. And this location has been totally essential to a lot of my work right now, which has been based around this community that even outside of the group here is has a standing in the city. Um, New Inc. is a very powerful institution, the New Museum as well, and has a certain calling that I think many people appreciate and it's really useful to be um, connected to uh, this type of institution. And I think that is key to, I think, the standing of this place and also for GSAP to be connected to institution like that. I think it's absolutely critical to the advancement of our agenda, mm-hmm. our collective agenda. Yeah, because it's for sure a deliberate move to have a location, an incubator downtown versus near Columbia, where it might be a logical geographical connection. But I think all of you are saying that there were certain benefits, which have been different for all of you, but to being here in the Bowery area. I don't know, any last thoughts about your year here or what's next? Well, looking back on it, I'm really thankful for the opportunity that I got to know so many of my peers and colleagues here and friends. And I really appreciate Augustine um, and how he really has, he's been a cheerleader at, at, at times and he's been like the mother who nags you, right? Um, a lot, like on your tail, like why didn't you do this? And because you, you sometimes need that. Like if you're out on your own and if you're in your own space and no one is sort of putting that pressure, then then you're likely to sort of given to whatever you know the, the day has in store for you. So I think that sort of having somebody who is supportive of you and the whole community, I think, is really important. And I would say, you know, um, the next thing is just to keep doing what I'm doing because it's an ever-evolving process, ever-evolving practice, and I look forward to um, seeing what next year and next five years will be you know, for me. First of all, shout out to Augustine, who runs the incubator. Really incredible for all the reasons you would expect. And for, I think the incubator has been a really useful experience. It's helped me really undertake a new pivot in my practice and really helped me articulate a lot of the issues which uh, contemporary practice has. And really not only understand those positions, but take a stand and attempt to improve the conditions that, that put us in the incubator. And what's interesting is that the incubator itself is proof that there's a sort of weakness to GSAP to begin with. And I think the inc- that the institution is somehow needed to expand its scope 
in a really dramatic and exciting way, it actually had to expand the institutions that it is into professional practice. Is it 10 years out of practice or 15 years mm -hmm. now out of practice? And that is a huge strength and a gigantic bonus to GSAP alumni. And I think it's, it is, but it's also telling of a general weakness in, in our education system. But I think that's good that we're, that we're recognizing that and seeing a way to think about it in a different way that may improve the future of institutions and academic uh, education. I think that I will hope for the incubator to keep going, but also to keep pushing and be uh, probably at a lot more riskier than any other space. I'm not necessarily thinking about New Inc., but also thinking about the idea that this is this should not be only limited to the idea of the space for the water co working, which I agree with. That is, you know, it's all, we all need that space. But I think the incubator should be taken not too much as a you know business incubator, but as a space to take risk about what happens when you actually are thought architecture and what you could do after. And and in that case, there might be a more inclusive model of selecting people, or a more open in the sense that it's a more amount of people and the format of the space. And I think mostly the format of the space. So I think it is absolutely sort of weak in in, in the sort of spatial arrangements. Uh, uh, but I think it's it's a great opportunity to actually also work on that as, as a sort of a spatial dynamics um, to keep enhancing what that sort of real architecture thing is. Actually, just to, to add to that, I think that like, and I have different days in terms of like, maybe I'm more for WeWork model, you know, where it open the membership not from 15, but to 60. And it just becomes a place where like, you're a recent GSAP graduate, you're on the Bowery, you need to use the toilet, you come in, you go. In that, in the, you're in the toilet or in the bathroom, you can have loads of interesting conversations, right? But it becomes maybe beehive of activity, which a lot of times this place isn't. And then I switch over on another day to a different type of model where it's almost like independent study program at Whitney and it's like a reading group and we all get together and we talk about things and we support each other and things like that. You know, like it depends, but I think the most important thing is that there's a vision and an agenda because mm. otherwise it's just gonna, well, it'll be everything. There should be an, an agenda and a vision and then I think that the, whoever's running the incubator has to be true to that. Well, thank you all for joining the podcast today. Good luck on your you. next thank endeavors. You. See you soon. Thank you. This podcast was produced by Columbia GSAP. You can find more information about the school on our website at arc.columbia.edu.